Hebrews chapter 12. We have been um, looking at the presence of God, praying for the anointing of the Spirit. I hope you still are. I hope there's still a yearning and a longing that beats within your heart that God would further deepen and extend the anointing of his Spirit in your life. If that doesn't occur, you will be going backwards, not forwards. And uh, we've been looking at God being with us and among us and in us and on us next week. And in the weeks ahead, we will be thinking about Christmas and Emmanuel and all that that means for us. This morning's been very helpful in helping us to understand what happens when we know the presence of God. There are occasions when that veil between us and heaven is lifted somewhat. And we, we understand by that what knowing God in his presence is all about. I want us to look at that as, and read from Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I'll read from the verse 1. I might skip some in the middle. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He then talks about the struggle, our struggle against sin and how our Heavenly Father disciplines us. goes on to verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Many of us suffer from weak knees, don't we? <clears throat> it's a spiritual condition that Christians are um, always intended to strengthen and do something about, but never do. Therefore, strengthen your, feet, your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What a true word. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could, he could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who hear it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I was trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, 
the city of the living God. You have come to thousand upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not re escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven. And the word once more indicating the removal of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that, that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. We're described in the verses as living before onlookers. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling that somebody's watching you. Can I tell you something, Christian? It's true. There are those great cloud of witnesses who are watching us. Not only that, but the, the, our position is also described in verse 2 of the, that we are to keep our eye on Jesus who has been exalted and sits at the Father's right hand and be encouraged, he's got his eye on you. And so the chapter begins with this perspective of heaven being in view both ways. And then in verse 28 puts it in practical terms that we are receiving a kingdom. There is an eternal kingdom that is coming, encroaching, enveloping, taking over, setting in order. And the Christian life is all about the, the, the realm of a king having dominion over us, and to, individually and together. And therefore, encountering heaven, where the, the world's overlapping, the mists clearing, having a sense of being homesick is perfectly normal for a Christian. There, are, there, there is a real world and we ain't got there yet. And in the latter verses that I read, the, the, the picture is drawn and often used and often used in hymns and so on as well of the Old Testament wanderings being a picture of what it's like for us. That we didn't come out of Egypt literally, but we have come out of Egypt spiritually. We have left behind sin and guilt and all that which rejects God. We have come across the Red Sea, baptism, and we, we, we started following this presence of God and the wilderness, and we've met God and his law on Sinai. And uh, we, we have accepted his order in our lives and we're pressing on. One day we will cross the Jordan and uh, often taken as a picture of death and Cain and beyond it. Sometimes Jordan is, is taken as a, as a picture of the time when we really come to a place of consecration. And therefore, Canaan is, is the, the blessing of God available for us as his people also in this life. That, that's the picture. And here in... Um, in the, right, the, the, the letter to the Hebrews, in verse 22, you have a most remarkable word. 
talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, talking about Zion, talking about the presence of God and all of its significance for us. And in verse 22, but you will come to Mount Zion. doesn't say so. It's an, it's, it's an absolutely remarkable tense. If you have a highlight, I don't mark my Bible. If you mark your Bible with a highlight, mark this one. Just you, mark the tense of the, you have come. You've come. Heaven has begun. That we are pilgrims who have half arrived. We've, we've got one foot in heaven already. We've come to this heavenly Jerusalem. We, uh, in chapter 6 and verse 4, in a, in a not a very encouraging context, it, it talk, talks about, the, about Christians. You have tasted the heavenly gift. Isn't that marvelous? That what, what we know now, we will know in even greater measure in that day. Heaven has begun. It says that we have come to Mount Zion. That was the place where the king lived, the place of royal residence. It was the place where the ark was brought to Samuel 6. talks about David wanting to bring up the, uh, there, to there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. And that, that Old Testament picture of the presence of God and the, the pillar of fire, and that here the Zion is used of heaven. And, and the writer says, well, we, we've come there. We have gained access to heaven already. And we've come to this Jerusalem, this place where God's presence, the place where all of God's people meet. And we've come to the, this, this place which is full of angels. Now, there's an amazing thing. I don't know what, you, what your views on angels are, uh, but these are not the angels, scowling angels, as you might imagine on Mount Sinai. The, these are angels having a party. This is where, let me read it again. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Joyful assembly. Oh, the, the, the picture of angels in the Bible is a fascinating one. In Deuteronomy 33, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He shone from Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south, from the mountain slopes. In Daniel, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. And as a picture of all of the hosts of heaven, being around the Lord and we being given access also. How does that make? That's not. Becoming a Christian has a certain dimension to it, doesn't it? And uh, we, this is where we've come, for, come to, he says, to all of these angels. And it, you almost associate angels where heaven and earth come together. We'll be thinking about Luke, in Luke chapter 2 about the angels in Bethlehem where, where heaven and earth met. There were angels there. There were angels when Jesus ascended to heaven. There were angels when Jacob, remember, he came to Bethel and God met with him and made a covenant. Or he made a, a, actually Jacob kind of made a, 
um, an off-the-cuff arrangement with the Lord, but the, 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 the ladder and the angels ascending it, Genesis 28, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it and there above it stood the Lord. And that Where earth and heaven meet, God's agents are busy thereabout. And in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We, we saw the cherubim when we were looking at Isaiah 6. And into this place of God's presence and glory, we've come. We've come, we've got a foot in the door. It's, heaven has begun for us. And not only that, we've had our name written. Look at that. It, um, that to, the, in verse 23, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Jesus talked about it, didn't he? When, when they came back from preaching that and, and seeing people healed and delivered, he said, rejoice not that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. When he was writing to the, 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 the seven churches, to talk, to, at the end of one of the letters he says, he who overcomes will be like them dressed in, fine, dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Now, there's a, an amazing thing. That my name's already there. I'll pick that, up, that one up in a minute. And it, but he says that, again, going on from verse 23, to, to, to the church of the firstborn, we've been, set, we've been born a second time because he was born at all. And we have, been, we have been become part of this great company of people who are God's people. Once we were not a people, now we have become God's people. Once we had not received mercy, now we have received mercy, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And we've come. That the kingdom of God has begun among us. His rule is extending. Graham Kendrick puts it in, doesn't he, in one of his songs, that the power of the age to come is breaking through. It's wonderful, isn't it? That's what the presence of God is all about. It's heaven beginning in here. And uh, there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it, it hasn't come yet, but it certainly will. But we have already gained access to that new heaven. Or I hope we have. Don't leave this issue until you peg it. Don't leave the issues open-ended. Can you, can, could you go in? No, it, it won't be possible to do this. But imagine getting to heaven. And, and you know, it's, we're all the same, aren't we? That uh, when, when, when the, you know there's a list and you know your name's on it, you always look to make sure it's there, don't you? The, somebody gives you the electoral register for your area. There's something almost instinctive that will just have a peep just to, there's my name. Isn't it funny, isn't it? I, don't even, I think this is a common trait of humanity. Imagine being in heaven and your name not being there. From the point of view of your response, it's almost as if it's been penciled in from before all time. But your response is crucial. 
to your heavenly destiny. Imagine, imagine, imagine the emotions that would come to your heart at that. If you could gain it, you won't actually get into heaven at all. But imagine if you did, and your name wasn't there. Do you know for absolute certainty that your name is written in heaven? There is no greater question that you'll ever have to answer. Are you quite sure that the, the contract, the, the agreement, the bond, the, the, the terms that are, are made with, between you and the Lord Jesus, your name won't be there because you're good enough. Your name won't be there because you come to church on a Sunday morning. Your name will only be there because Jesus wrote it there. If, he, if you know your name is there, well, then you'll know that heaven has begun. Jesus called it eternal life, didn't he? Life that will go on forever. And uh, he was quite clear that uh, God so loved the world and that he gave his only, only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but live forever. And, and several of the, of the epistles talk in the, in the same terms uh, of he that has the son has life. And what's happened to us is that heaven has begun. Praise his name. Very good. Huh? Now, you might say, well, hang on, David. Surely heaven's better than this. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But God wants us to know heaven here as well. He wants to, is to, to taste the effects of his kingdom. He wants us to have an awareness of that world. that I, There's a sense in which I've already got a foot in the door. My name is, I already belong there rather than here. As a consequence, and particularly the writers of the Hebrews, stresses this whole sense of, of, of being pilgrims. Hebrews eleven sixteen, talking about the great ones of faith. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And in chapter 13 of the same letter in verse 14, he says, For we who do not have an enduring city, but are looking for the city that is to come. Are having our plot already there, our mansion prepared, that, what, that all the benefits of heaven, beginning, beginning now, is meant to dislodge us from being too preoccupied with the world that we live in. So that's the first thing, that heaven has begun. Eternal life is already in our hearts. But when we get there, and I've asked this question before, a year ago we, we were coming to the end of, of a prolonged consideration of the book of Revelation. And uh, you can't go, go for very long through the book of Revelation without realizing that uh, heaven it was a very, very real prospect and uh, influence on, on John as, as he wrote the book and in terms of what Jesus showed to him. And uh, we, we, we talked about heaven quite a lot. We, re we, we considered that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more death, no more tears. We're going to have responsibilities there in proportion to our faithfulness here. We're going to have new bodies. We're not, the, our hair is not going to fall out there, which for some of us is tremendously significant. But when we get there, what are we going to do? That's the point. This is what's coming out of these verses. What are we going to do? You're going to research all the missing links in your family history? Well, you could. You could go right back to Adam. Are you going to go sightseeing? You know, to see if the streets really are paved with gold. What are you going to do? 
I know there's going to be the odd reunion or two. You're going to fish in the, in the crystal sea? Are you going to go farming on the, uh, with all the sheaves of gold? What, what are you going to do? What, what will be our preoccupation? Are you going to watch videos of how the pyramids were built? What are you going to do? What's the first thing? A kind of he, uh, uh, an eternal rerun of Waterloo or Luther at the Diet of Worms. Margaret's going to watch Luther at the Diet of Worms. I'm sure she is. She can't wait to kind of see the smile on his face. But however much we might think that these are things, you know, are you going to play a stereophonic harp? That's what Mark thinks. <coughs> We're going to put him on a cloud all on his own. <laughs> all of those might be true to a small extent. But when we get to heaven, we're going to be preoccupied with the Lamb. Difficult to really understand this here, isn't it? Imagine for eternity, forever and ever, being preoccupied with the Lamb. Revelation 21 says, The city does not need the sun or the moon or to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. This whole sense of glory in the presence of God. Now, but this is going to be our chief activity. We're going to worship God forever and ever. You think, well, hang on a minute, 20 minutes is a bit long, a bit long this morning, wasn't it? How long will it take us to tell of all the wonder of what he's done? How once we fully understand what it was that Jesus has done for us, how long will it take you? I suggest it will take forever. We will never exhaust, we will never adequately be able to express, even in eternity, what is wrapped up in these verses, verse 23, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, to you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator. I, I fancy when we get to heaven, that just that word, those three words, Jesus the mediator, will take on a meaning that would blow our minds if we understood it now. Jesus, the mediator. To actually realize, my word, I'm here. And I could have been there. Where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and separation from the presence of the Lord forever. Where the wrath of God is terrible. I could have been there. But Jesus, the mediator, It'll take us a while to worship through that one, I fancy. Of a new covenant into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Actually, when you start to look through, we've had some of it read so helpfully by Stanley this morning. But when we start to look through, I'll just give you a rapid read. Just hold on to your seat for a moment. Don't bother looking it up because you won't be able to keep up with me. In the center of the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes and in front and in the back and the first living creatures was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third like the face of a man, the fourth like the flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures and the six wings and cover their eyes and all around and even under their wings. Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And then goes on, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. 
uh, on into chapter 5, which Stanley read this morning, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The whole theme thunders on in heaven. Chapter 9, chapter 7 and verse 9, talk, again, there's pictures of heaven. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And I could read on in chapter 14 and chapter 15 and chapter 19. And it's all worship. There's all honor and praise and there's, there's a tirelessness in heaven in declaring the glory and the majesty of God. That there's, a, there's something about it that doesn't grow weary because of the wonder of it all. And therefore here in, the, in Hebrews chapter 12 he says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. It's the same thing. We, we, we are coming to heaven, uh, we're coming to heaven and therefore worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And, and then this, 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 this thing that he tags on the end, for our God is a consuming fire. There are aspects of seriousness that the writer of the Hebrews, probably more than any other, just seems to pick out. Chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Chapter 10 and verse 31, it's just these phrases he just seems to pick out as he, as he emphasizes the majesty of it all. And he says, that it is mine to avenge, I will repay, the Lord will judge his people. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And here he says, we shall worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In the light of that, in the, the light of the fact, if you're Christ, if he's brought new life, if eternal life has begun in your heart, Heaven has begun. And therefore, worship has begun. Are we ever awkward here in this place of worship? Ever self-conscious? I wonder why it should be. Ever reluctant? Ever in a place? I really can't see the point of this. Can you, can you imagine somebody in heaven? Uh, there's going to be lots, but I do believe that when we are changed and, and made new, that this particular trait will disappear from us. I, I don't believe anybody will do this in heaven. But can you imagine, right, that the happy soul, everybody else is kind of lost in the Lord's presence, and uh, <sighs> 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 well, what's it all for? Excuse me? Why? It's inconceivable, isn't it? It's inconceivable. Where God's people 
adequately begin to understand all that the, the mediator has done for us. Praise and worship is entirely natural. And can I suggest to you that it's very important for us to enter into worship. Sometimes it's so easy to spectate. Sometimes, oh, well, they're going on a, the sermon will come soon. You know, take heart. And one or two of us have almost said that, some of, some of you say the opposite, I know. But <laughs> one or two people have said that sort of thing to me. And I think, poor thing, you poor thing. That if I don't enter into worship, I will miss the presence of God. I will be on the outside of the tabernacle. And all of that glory is going on inside. Who wants to stay in the outer courts, for goodness sake? Not me. And therefore, worship is very important to him. How will I cope there if I don't know the presence of God in worship here? How will I be ready? I, I, actually, I was made for it. I'm to live and to worship here with heaven in view. I'm invited, even in this old sinful clay of mine, I'm invited now to join in. You thought it was just us worshipping here this morning, didn't you? I, I got a surprise for you. It wasn't just the kind of noisy ones that liked that sort of... I know you joined in with the hymn at the beginning. You, know, you managed that, didn't you? But all this kind of happy, clappy chorus stuff, you know, you kind of folded your arms and waited for it to be... Look, can I tell you something? There were angels worshipping here this morning. This was... There was a... We weren't on the net but we were on a spiritual net this morning. There was a connection. There was a harmonizing with what went on here in your company this morning with what was going on in heaven. What happened here was merely an extension of what was happening there. And this is not to make you walk out feeling glum. Oh, missed it. Shucks. <clears throat> I shouldn't have sat down and folded my arm. No, you shouldn't. But can I encourage you? when you come into the presence of God, into the place of worship, that you actually come in order to touch heaven. I think maybe if that perspective was clear in our minds, we might be here at 20 past, you know, kind of eager and ready. What do you think, Bob? <clears throat> do you think that would be true? We might get there, yeah. It might make it. Excellent. Yeah, got a good idea. Look, enjoy the prospect. Taste the heavenly gift. Know the reality. There's heaven on earth. Begin to praise, begin to respond in his presence. Begin to bring heaven in. Let's bow our heads. That's, uh, time has fled this morning. I've had to rush it, but I hope you got the point. Lord, we, we get so rushed, we get so preoccupied with what's going on around us that we at times are so oblivious to the real world. We get absorbed. We get terribly distracted, Lord. And, and almost this window of worship where we, and, and, and of prayer where we, we, we turn aside and, and, and put our gaze on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and look to heaven and to heaven's resources, Lord. We, we, we seem to do it so rarely. We will, when we get there, we will wonder that we were so foolish here. But we do ask you, Jesus, that 
You will cause your kingdom to come among us. Your cause for the presence of God to be increasingly felt by us. Lord, we, we do thank you with all of our hearts that our names are written in heaven. We do thank you that heaven has begun in our hearts. We thank you that eternity has broken in to us. Lord, give us a clear view. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.